What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Showcase Sports Show. I am Griffin Conant. Alongside my co-host, as always, Elijah Cornejo. How you doing, E? I'm doing all right, Griff. You know, we, we took a couple weeks off, and uh, we're getting back to things. How are you? You know, it's good to be back in the grind again, E. I miss this show more than life itself. Very excited to talk some sports. A lot has happened since we uh, last spoke a couple weeks ago. A lot has happened. We crowned a new NHL champion. You know, we're now in the NBA Finals. NFL is in full swing. Yep, and we're in baseball playoffs. That's right. So let's get to it, E. So let's head to the Diamond and talk some Major League Baseball. We are in the division series, both in the National League and American League. We'll start with the uh, American League here. Uh, we'll talk some Astros athletics, little divisional matchup there between the two. What do you like in that series? Who do you like moving on? You know, in this series, I like the Astros. The reason why I like the Astros so much in these playoffs right now is just because, yes, they absolutely did just come off that cheating scandal and everyone is calling that World Series, you know, they're calling it fake. But I think with that kind of comes with a chip on their shoulder right now. So I don't know. They just kind of seem like a tough team to beat for the athletics right now. You know, Houston stole game one. And as we're recording right now, they are in the top of the fourth and the Astros are winning two to one. I don't know. I really like the Astros right now. And it seems like their bats are finally starting to come a little bit alive you know they've been really silent this year yeah you know that is the truth for sure um they have just exploded offensively scoring 10 runs against the a's there in game one that was on monday october 5th i believe it was but yeah they had 16 hits in that game george springer went four for five he's now hitting 800 in this playoffs wow. which is incredible which is four for five pretty much every game you know jose altuve has been batting well i think he's hitting 500 correa's hitting 600 they're they're kind of spotlight offensive players for these astros Astros. They're coming through clutch here so far in the postseason. Yeah, the bats are finally waking up, man. It was a brutal, brutal season yeah. for the Astros. You know, they actually even finished the season under 500. They went 29 and 31, somehow snuck into the playoffs, and now they're making some noise. I don't know. I, I don't like the way that this is turning out for the Athletics. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. So, I mean, the A's during the season, they went 36 and 24. You know, the Astros only went 29 and 31. They were below 500. So, I mean, what, what's going on with the A's here? I think it's actually important to know that, you know, the Athletics did win the season series 7-3 to against the Astros. It's very interesting that the, the Astros are making these moves right now, but I really think it's just due to their bats finally coming alive. Actually, I, think, I do think the A's have a pretty good shot in this series. Like you kind of said earlier, they're, they're trailing right now 3-1 to one in the middle of the fourth. So if they were to lose game two, they'd be down 2-0 to zero in that series. So I think this is a must win for the A's here in game two. It's going to be hard to go down 2-0 and try to come back. It's going to be kind of tough. But yeah, like you said, I, the Astros are just hot right now. I think they're coming in clutch with that timely hitting. I think, you know, the postseason baseball, it's all about getting hot. I mean... We know that better than anybody with the 2007 Rockies. You know, one, of, one of the most magical postseason runs, I think, in MLB history. It is up there. That team um, was not great. Yes. And they but snuck in. It even takes some luck, I think, in these playoffs. And so far, the Astros are getting some luck. And uh, they're hot. So I totally agree. So, all in all, who wins this series? I think the Astros do take this series, but do not count out the A's. I think they do end up winning a game or two in this series. I, I could see it going to five here. I would say it's Astros in four. You know, in moving on to our other ALDS matchup, we have the Yankees versus the Rays. This okay. is just, wow, what a highly touted matchup right now between these two ball clubs. What have you seen from them, Griff? Yeah, Yankees-Rays. I think everybody um, coming into the season was a little surprised that the Rays were able to kind of just dominate the way they did. I think everybody was pretty high on the Yankees compared to the Rays, that is, coming into the season. But hey, the Yankees, they're the Yankees for a reason. I mean, I think they are fully healthy right now. Last time I checked, they got DJ LeMahieu back. Stanton and Aaron Judge are fully healthy. So it, it should be an interesting matchup. This is, I would say, even keel ALDS between these two teams. I think they're both pretty evenly matched. However, you you know, just with this 660 game season, man, it's just, I don't know. I think the Yankees are really hitting their stride at the right time. Kind of like the Houston Astros right now. Man, they're just getting some offensive performances, man. They, uh, 
Giancarlo Stanton had that grand slam last night to lead the Yankees 9-3 in Game 1, which was on Monday, October 5th. So I don't know. I, I think the Rays are going to have to pitch a lot better than what they've been showing so far. I think it should be a good series, but I like the Yankees in four games. Well, you know, going off of what you just said about pitching better, you know, Blake Snell is supposed to be that ace for the Rays, and he got touched up yesterday, giving up four earned runs, you know. So I, yeah, I definitely think that the Rays pitching is their strong suit, and they're going to have to really step up if they want to come back in this series. I mean, they're only down, you know, one to zero, but in these right. best of five, that's it's almost like being down 2-0 right away. Right. Well, um, even in the bullpen, too. I mean, the bullpen's got to right. be better. I mean, Curtis gave up five runs last night. He's got a 67-50 ERA in the yeah. postseason right I now. mean, it's just kind of a, a bummer for, for the Rays because, obviously, the Yankees have that ace in Garrett Cole. He gave up three runs yesterday, which is honestly even uncharacteristic for him. Right. Um, so if you're getting Garrett Cole to give up three runs a game right there, you got to capitalize on that and win that game. Blake not, Snell has got to perform better, and he's got to be better. Right, and he's not going to do that very often, right? Garrett, no, I mean, he's exactly. One, he's one of the more premier pitchers in the league. That's why you have to take advantage of that when he does do that. In my opinion, these are two of the top three best teams in the league. That third team would be the Dodgers, but, you know, I don't know. This is kind of the ALCS to me already because I really think both these teams are better than the Astros and the A's. Really? You know what? I think I have the Rays in five. Okay, so you have the Rays in five. I have the Yankees in four. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, Yep, okay. All right, well, let's move on to the National League, shall we? Let's talk a little... How about Miami and Atlanta here? I believe, what, Miami's down 1-0 right now in the series. Yep, the Braves uh, have one game up lead. Game one was today, right? Tuesday, was, October yep. 6th. So, yeah, the uh, Braves were able to kind of pull away from the Marlins there by a score of 9-5. to Darno had uh, three hits, four ribbies for the Braves in that one. The bullpen also only allowed one run in five innings. What did you kind of see from that game? Who do you like in this series? You know, honestly, I really like the Atlanta Braves in this series, especially against the Marlins. Quite honestly, I think everyone in the entire world is shocked that the Marlins have gotten this far. Right. You know, they were not even supposed to be close to a contender, let alone a playoff team. Now, all of a sudden, they're beating the Chicago Cubs in the wild card round and moving on, you know, to the NLDS and kind of giving the, the Braves a little bit of a run for their money. Guys like, you know, Acuna, he had a home run in the very first inning today. You know, guys like him and Freeman, Ozuna, Albies, all these guys, I think they're just kind of almost too much for the Marlins to handle, especially with that pitching staff. So I don't know. I think I'm going to put the Braves in four. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think I think the Marlins, they're just one of those teams that they're, they might be kind of just a product of that 60-game season, right? I mean, they went 31-29. and 29. You know, not a great record, but good enough to kind of sneak into the postseason, and then they kind of got hot and beat the Cubs. I'll agree with you on this one. I think the Braves are a better team on paper by far. I really don't think it's even close. And I actually have the Braves sweeping the Marlins in this series. I do have the Braves in three games, but I will say, don't count out the Marlins because there have been teams like this in the past, past postseasons that have gotten hot, that have kind of made that magical run um, in the postseason. So, I mean, it should be interesting to see what happens with Miami. Not a good start here in game one, of course, going down nine to five, like I said, to the Braves, but it should be interesting moving forward here in the next couple days to see what they do. So did you know that the Marlins have actually never lost a playoff series? Isn't yes. that crazy? They're 7-0. And that is why you should not count them out. No, I, don't I, sleep on them. I think the Braves are a better team, but yeah, they've never lost a, a playoff series. They've won two World Series. I think it was back in 2003 and 97 were their two World Series runs. They've never lost a uh, playoff series. That might have been the only two times... That they've actually been to the postseason. I think that, yeah, it um, definitely is. Definitely a crazy feat. Well, there. and the Marlins have, you know, out of all the teams that made the playoffs, they have the worst run differential at minus 41. So yeah, I don't know. Stat. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think the Marlins have any shot of sneaking out of this series. I'm honestly even shocked that they really did beat the Cubs. That's kind of crazy. But, well, that's the Cubs for you. Yep. Well, Poverty franchise. Yep. I'm so sorry, Cubs fans. Yep. <laughs> going over to our other NLDS matchup, we have the Padres and the Dodgers. This is kind of the... Uh, Biggest matchup in the NL right now. Two division foes. You know what's really interesting is all of these matchups are division opponents. Is that yeah, right? yeah, that is crazy. Kind of crazy how that all happened here in the postseason. But yeah, Padres, Dodgers. Boy, I think these are also two very good teams. This could also be, I think, kind of a, an NLCS matchup. I totally agree because especially the Padres and the Dodgers actually out of all of the teams in the playoffs have the best run differentials. You know, the Dodgers have an alarming 136. Really? So they're, you know, that's pretty I'm not crazy. shocked. 
I'm not either, but man, that is that's really steep. And the Padres are right there with them at 84 runs. Yeah, and they're the next closest team, which really shows you how good the Dodgers are, man. They're they're 52 runs up on the next team, which is crazy. But yes, what do you like in this series? Yeah, I mean, hey, the Padres they would have won the division in any other division that wasn't the NL West, right? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, they were 37 and 23. That's roughly what five or six games back of the Dodgers, who were at 43 and 17. This is an interesting series to me. The Padres are kind of an up-and-coming young team. Kind of put the MLB on notice this season with the 60-game campaign. But you know, I, I do like the Dodgers in this one. I do. I'm, I'm gonna kind of put all my chips with LA in this series. I think just with that playoff experience that they've kind of had the last few years going to the World Series and losing. I, I think this is just a different Dodgers team. You know, of course, they got Mookie Betts this season, a couple other pieces, but I, I think this Dodgers team just has that it factor than their previous yep. teams. I really do believe that. Not only do I have the Dodgers winning this series, but I actually have them winning the whole dang thing. So really, yeah. I do. Well, in this series, is incredibly interesting, especially because during the season, they pretty much split their meetings. The Dodgers winning six games and the Padres winning four. I would say that this is pretty even. I think that we are starting to kind of witness the birth of a superstar right now in Fernando Tatis. And I think he's going to end up being the face of the league, honestly. He's got that pizzazz. He's got that heart. And he's got, you know, that flash to be a superstar. And obviously, he has the ability to be that for the Padres as well. And also, I think, you know, with additions like Mike Clevenger, at the deadline, things like that, that really boosts the Padres up from where they were in the middle of the regular season when they were playing the Dodgers with all these games. For sure. Um, you know what? I kind of have a surprise upset here. I'm going to take the Padres in five. Wow. So you're going Padres five. Yeah, I see, am. I have this series actually going five games, so I think we're on the same page with that one. I'll take the Dodgers in five just purely based off that experience, and I think they're just more talented. All right, Griff, let's move on to the hardwood here. We're right in the heart of the NBA Finals right now. The Los Angeles Lakers are up two games to one. That game will be played before this is released tonight. So, that being said, Bam Adebayo is coming back for the Heat. And what do you think here, Griff? What have you seen in the series so far? Yeah, you know, I think the Lakers, what they've proven in this series against the Heat, I think they're just on another level. I really do. I think LeBron James and Anthony Davis are playing at a level right now that no one else in the world is playing at. You know, I I was expecting the Heat to to steal a game or two in this series. I I think I initially said that the Lakers were going to win this series in six games. Uh, I'm going to stick by that. I think the Heat actually end up taking another game in this series. But I think the Lakers just have too much length, too much depth, especially against a banged-up Heat team. But like you said, Bam is coming back tonight, so we'll see if that kind of makes a difference here in Game 4. It'll be interesting to see if he makes a huge impact in this series the rest of the way. You know, as they get Bam back, I think that's going to be absolutely ginormous for the Heat. They get that big rebounding force back in the paint you know that's something they were really lacking you know with him being gone you know he's not at full health though so you know he'll be back but I don't know if he's going to really take out the max impact on the game that he would have if he was healthy I think you know that's kind of one of two players for the heat that you just cannot get injured right now in the finals if you want to beat this Lakers team but kind of like you were saying the Lakers are playing their best basketball right now at the most perfect time I just kind of think that this Lakers team is too hard to stop right now you know LeBron and Anthony Davis are really just poor it on um you know jimmy butler's been really amazing especially in this last game when he was pretty much all by himself putting the team on his back and i continue to think that this heat team is going to fight but i think i got the lakers here in six yeah i I think what the heat have to do too to have any shot in this series is uh just be a little better on the defensive side of the ball Uh, i know injuries might have been you know a factor in that but what was it game one they they allowed 116 points in a Mm -hmm. loss game two they allowed 124 points but in their game three win they only allowed 104 points i mean that's a 20 point difference so you know if you can just slow down ad lebron and the lakers just a little bit even i mean i think the heat could have a chance at this series especially with just how jimmy butler played last game uh, just erupting for a 40 point triple double i like the heat they've had a magical run but kind of like you're saying and what i was saying earlier the lakers i think are going to win this series and be the nba champs i've, I've, I've been beating that drum mm-hmm. since day one since this whole bubble experience started i want everybody to know that that i chose the lakers to win it and they're two games away from doing it making my prediction come true. (laughs) I think the key for the Heat to battle back in this series is going to be to limit Anthony Davis's production because he might be the best big in the entire league. And when you allow him to take shots, he's going to make them no matter how good a defense you play. So if you can limit his shot 
attempts, then, you know, that's going to really lead to a victory. Like you were just saying in game three there, they held him to 104 points. Well, Anthony Davis only shot the ball nine times. I mean, he made six of the nine field goals, but still, if you can limit him to nine shots a game or anywhere, probably under 12 to 13, they're a very beatable team. When Anthony Davis takes the ball and starts to take over, that's when you start to have trouble. Well, and see, that's the thing. I, I just, I'm not sure if they're capable of, you know, stopping AD and slowing them down to that, you know, less than 10 shot attempts a game. I, I, I just don't know if they're capable of doing that because, I mean. It's it, going to depend on the health of Bam. Yeah. It truly is. And it is. They're, that's what they're going to have to make their strict game plan is it, is to stop Anthony Davis. Well, and they need that length, like, right. desperately. And, and that's what we saw in that Nuggets-Lakers Western Conference Finals series. The Nuggets just didn't have that length and athleticism to go up against guys like Dwight Howard, uh, JaVale McGee, Markeith Morris, all these kind of guys that have that length that the Clippers might have lacked when they were playing the Nuggets. And right. the Nuggets struggled with that length, kind of what the Heat are doing right now. I think it's borderline impossible. Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to see pretty much Jimmy Butler take on AD and LeBron no matter what, you know. But when you add Bam into that equation, it starts to make things a little bit sticky for the Lakers. Exactly. um, Especially if he's healthy. It really, truly, in my opinion, this entire series depends on the health of Bam. And, you know, if he's not healthy, the series is over. If he is healthy, the series still might be over, but it's going to be a lot more difficult for the Lakers. I, I think it almost turns... From the Lakers in five to the Lakers in six. Right. But who knows? You know, we have, we've seen this story before, you know, um, this Heat team does not give up. They are a bunch of dogs, you know, they, they love it. So they thrive with their backup against the wall. I mean, Jimmy Butler was caught on camera (laughs) yelling, you know, they're in trouble. They're in trouble after, you know, taking game three. So I don't know. I'm really excited to watch the game tonight, you know, and see if Jimmy Butler can, can, can continue to take over the series. So, so real quick, E, what percentage do you give the Heat? What are the chances that you give them winning this series and, and becoming NBA champions? I would say 25%. Okay. Actually, that's that's low and disrespectful. I'd say 35. Okay. 35% shot that, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to continue to do what he does and just absolutely take over and be the alpha dog on the court, you know. Right. Real quick, though, going back to that, can we talk about LeBron? <laughs> Yeah, his, I, I was going to bring that up. His, his antic, his tantrum that he kind of threw at the, at the end of Game 3. In case you guys missed it, yeah, uh, LeBron James walked off the court in the final seconds. Game 3, deciding victory there uh, by the Heat. It seemed like, you know, the shot clock was running low. There was like three seconds on the shot clock, and I think there was like ten seconds or something on the um, actual game clock. But yeah, he just decided to walk off the court. I mean, it was like bad boys Detroit Pistons. You know, yeah. <laughs> going out against the the Bulls way back when. I mean, he just walked off the court. They, they, they didn't have enough guys on the court for the final 10 seconds. So I think they had to, like, sub some guy in to, for a fifth right. player. I don't know. I, I think it was a little ridiculous. You know, you, you probably wouldn't see a guy like Michael Jordan doing that, if I'm being honest. I'm just not a, day. I'm not a big LeBron Which, guy, so we're probably not. Neither of us are. So we're probably blowing this out of proportion and making him sound worse oh. than he is. But you know what? Michael Jordan, you're right, never would have done that. That happened to Michael Jordan. I mean, he was in kind of the heat shoes, like I was saying with the bad boys, and mm-hmm. he, he didn't respect, you know, the Pistons at all for doing that. Going back to the, the Last Dance documentary that, that premiered this summer, he, he he went on camera saying that. I mean, he, he didn't respect the Pistons at all, and he, and he still doesn't respect them. I just so, hope that... I mean, it's just little things like that Le- LeBron does, and it's like, dude, come on, man. you got to be a little more professional than that, yeah. especially in an NBA Finals. I just I don't know how, how, how his teammates don't look at that and be like, dude, come on, man. He's just LeBron James. So he's he got, thinks he's bigger than the game. And there's you know going to be things that fl- that you know that they're going to let fly a little more just because it's LeBron James and he's the face of the NBA. But unfortunately, the NBA allows him to kind of do these things because it's pretty much LeBron's league. You know, the NBA is the one league where the players have nearly, literally, all of the power. Like in the NFL, I see the the NFL as a good mix. They have a lot of power in the players, and they have a lot of power with the coaches and the upper management, right? Right. And it's very even. The players get what they want. The coaches and, and you know the GMs and the ownership gets what they want. Right. In the NBA, it's completely lopsided. Literally, the owners and the coaches and the GMs have maybe 10, 15% of control, and the rest is with the players. It's very player-oriented. A lot know? of player yeah. control. Exactly. And it just... 
it makes for a lot of divas like LeBron to be able to, and, and James Harden, whine and get every call they want. They run the league. They whine their way to, yeah, like you said, getting what right. they want. Yeah. Like baseball is almost too much ownership and general managers and stuff like that with the whole arbitration and stuff like that. I think that's also lopsided. But I think the NFL is a good mix of kind of putting both worlds together and allowing it to be a partnership right. because that's what it should be. It should be a partnership between the ownership, the management, and the coaches, and they should be partnered with the players players to put on this you know and in the nba it's just not like that it's lebron's league lebron gets what he wants he does what he wants anyway we're going off on a tangent here but um you know if that's really <laughs> your greatest of all time uh, yeah. it's not mine michael jordan I mean, still the goat. That's, i mean it's the same guy who you know had to be carried off the floor you know against the spurs with his little his, his cramps i you mean know, his, his cramps his, hurt like hell his, but i mean come on lebron poor whittle cramps <laughs> so you know i lebron is the second greatest player of all time. He's an I'm incredible not, player. It's just the little things like that is is what kind of I know, totally grinds agree. my gears. We're not doubting his ability. He's an incredible player, the second best of all time. That's right, right there behind Michael Jordan, and he's probably going to win a fourth championship. This probably. Season, so moving on in the NBA here, Griff. I you know we have some news this week out of Philadelphia and Los Angeles. The Clippers parted ways with Doc Rivers. That's right. Firing him and moving on. Nuggets pretty much You can blame Nicole packed Jokic. his bags. Yeah, yep, Jamal can... Murray was like, hey, yep. you're not going to be the coach of the L.A. Clippers anymore, Doc. <laughs> you're actually going to go head to the East Coast. And so, well, now, yeah, now he signs and he inks a deal with the Sixers and he talks about how the reason why he chose that job is because of the talent that the Sixers have, which I'm not really sure if he's aware or not that that team might blow up right they're kind of I'm on not the sure verge if he is. yeah they're on, <laughs> they're on the verge of blowing it up but you know that might still be the best coaching option available right now hot take though from me okay very unpopular opinion here okay. and i'm probably gonna catch a lot of flack for it and probably end up apologizing on oh uh, one of these pods one day Uh-oh. but doc rivers overrated very okay. overrated he is he's not a bad coach not a bad coach by any stretch i think he really succeeds and does well at developing young talent and you know he's a decent in-game coach with substitutions and plays and all of that but he's not a top tier coach in my opinion I really do think he's not anywhere near like the Greg Popovich's of you know the NBA he has a career record of 943 and 681 and that comes out to a winning percentage of 580 okay 580 yeah above average but not great play that's Um, a playoff winning percentage it's a playoff winning percentage but then all of a sudden you start to look into his playoff record and he's 91 and 89 so he's pretty much 500 you know he's coached he, well, Philly will be his the fourth team that he's ever coached. Okay. He started off his career in, I believe, 99 or 2000, one of the two, with the Orlando Magic. And there he had a 504 winning percentage. But with the talent he had in Orlando, I think that needed to be higher. He had guys like Tracy McGrady, Ben Wallace, Patrick Ewing, Sean Kemp. Of course, when he had a couple of those guys towards the end of their career, but still... Right. You know, these were prime players in the league, and to have only a 504, that's not great. Okay, not great. In Boston, he that well, then he got fired from Orlando. Okay, he you know they weren't winning enough for their liking, so they fired Rivers. He gets picked up the next year by the Boston Celtics. Okay, right. their first first three years. They were not very good at all. I believe it was 06, 07. They were atrocious. They had a record of, let's see, I got it right here. It's 20. They were 24 and 58. So that's a 29% winning percentage. That's just not good. I mean, right. that's literally atrocious. That's a lottery team right there. And so then that's when, after this year, is when they traded for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. And things started to look up. They ended up winning the title the very next year. But honestly, you know, they were calling for his head in Boston at that time. Right. Uh, you know, when they were winning 29 games. And then they obviously traded up for Garnett. But when they did that, Garnett, Rondo, Allen, and Pierce, those guys were able to take the Celtics from... You know, that low right. light into the superstar light. I, I don't give really Doc Rivers really any credit for that. And you know what? Glenn Big Baby Davis is <laughs> on that train with me. Glenn this is, Big Baby Davis. What this a is legend. a direct quote from Glenn okay. Davis off of Bleacher Report. He said, uh, what Doc had in 2008 with the Boston Celtics was special. He was lucky as hell. The year before that, they were wearing trash bags. But then... The next year, they win it. Now he's one of the best coaches ever. I'm not feeling that. You know what I mean? You give credit to KG. You give credit to Paul Pierce. You give credit to Ray Allen. Those guys, the ones who made sure whatever Doc needed to be done, got done. And I couldn't agree with him more. I think that you pin those wins 
on the backs of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and these guys. That's his one title he's ever won. After that, he ended up you know moving on to the Clippers where he had a 631 winning percentage, which is really good. Right. Really good. But he had so much talent on those teams. Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, J.J. Redick. Those guys, that young core that was so good. Lob City was so good. But they could never win in the playoffs. And there's nobody to chalk that up to except for on coaching. And I truly believe that when he's losing consistently in the playoffs in close matchups, and then all of a sudden now he has another super team in Kawhi and Paul George, and they can't seal the deal when they're up 3-1 to one against right. the Nuggets. I don't know, man. This just screams overrated to me. Like I said, he's not a bad coach. He's still a average to slightly above average coach, but he's not a great. He's not an all-time great, and he's not a tier wow. one coach. Wow. All right. Well, I, I think you bring up actually a pretty valid point here. I really do, but... Wow, how about that? Yeah, Doc Rivers. So, I, you know, I, I think, like you said, I think he is a good coach. I do. I, I just, he's been gifted with so many good players. Right. He has. I mean. And now he's and, gonna, he's going to go to Philly with, you know, Simmons and, and Beaton. Right. He's not going to win which, a title. Which is, they're not as good as the Clippers, and that's a whole nother conversation right. for another time. But, you know, I in, in just today's day and age of the NBA, with just these you know, you, you just need you need at least two superstars, I think, to win a title. Right. And, you know, everybody in the playoffs right now has at least two guys that are on a superstar level and that will single-handedly win you games, right, mm-hmm. during crunch time. The only when anomaly it comes down to is, it. is the Heat, and they have Jimmy Butler, who's right. who's a star, but Bam is their second star. I mean, don't get me wrong, Bam's I mean, amazing, it's, but it's he's a not pretty a superstar. Good, right. Right. I mean, it's a good second star to have. I mean, he's right. no, like, Jokic or no, right. yeah, yeah. somebody or like Anthony of that Davis. caliber. But, but he, yeah, no, I agree. I think, like you were saying, I think Doc Rivers had a heck of an opportunity in Boston with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. With those, you know, kind of the original big three, you know, of, of the super teams there. I think having good players, especially in the NBA, will kind of overshadow maybe the lack of coaching that that right. team might exhibit. And, you know, and I think there was multiple times in this postseason where Doc Rivers was outcoached, even by Michael Malone in the Nuggets series. I, I, agree. I think Michael Malone might have made some questionable substitution decisions in that series. But at the same time, I think he was totally outcoached by Michael Malone with the X's and O's. Well, and I with mean, the even, overall game plan of just the game and maybe even the overall game flow of the game. Right. And would, I think, would you agree? I totally agree, 100%. And I think going back to Lob City when they had Blake Griffin and, and Chris Paul, you know, I think he got, I think Doc Rivers got them into a lot of trouble by playing his son, Austin Rivers, so much. For sure. I like, Rivers, I, I like Austin Rivers. I think he's a good player. He's a decent he's, role player. He's a role player. I don't think but he's he, a starter. He was but. just, he was expected to do too much there by Doc. Yeah. And, and I just think that was a bad idea, and I think ultimately that kind of created a lot of downfall for the Clippers back then. But I don't—I really think he's an overrated coach. I really yeah. do. He's so, not tier one. I mean, I got a question for you. So, I mean, of course, obviously he's the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he's replacing Brett Brown. Do you like, I mean, Doc Rivers in Philadelphia? Is he a better fit than Brett Brown was? I, I do think so, I yes. mean, I know, I know on the show a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, we were talking about how the Sixers might be kind of one of those teams that has like a player problem and not, might not right. be necessarily a coaching issue. And you're saying Doc Rivers is overrated now. I mean, I, I just don't see how the Sixers are a better team because of this based off the points you're making. I 1000% agree. I think the talent is there, but the the cohesion and the winning is not there. The heart is not there. I think Embiid is an, an incredible player. I think Ben Simmons is really, really good. They got a lot of talent there in Philly, but I can't say that Doc Rivers is the missing piece to taking them to the next level. Yeah. This just screams another first or second round exit again next year. Okay. Uh, another well, loss to the to the Celtics in the playoffs. That's just what I see. They're going to sneak in as the sixth seed and lose to the Celtics, who are the three seed. You know, I, I can totally see it now. So I don't think it was a bad hire because I, I do like Doc Rivers. I mean, he's just, you know, slightly above he's average He's definitely coach. a respected coach. Right. But... Like, I, I don't hate the hire or anything. I'm just saying I don't think he gives them that extra piece to go to the finals and, and take that extra step that – Philly needs. Right. I think they're still in need of another player. I think you're they're in need of a a guy like a Bradley Beal or one more big big scoring player, another guard. You know, right. I think Tobias Harris is really good too, but I, I really think they need another guard. All right, E. Let's head over to the gridiron to talk some NFL football week four. Wow, already in week four, soon to be week five. Kind of crazy, but yeah, week four. What are some games that kind of stood out to you, E? Yeah, there were a couple games that caught my eye, um, specifically the Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. 
as well as the Chargers and the Buccaneers. That Chargers and Buccaneers game was fun to watch, man. I think Justin Herbert is legit. That guy, wow, what a first few games he's having for the Rook, huh? Staying yeah. up there with Tom Brady. Yeah, I actually saw a stat out there. I think Justin Herbert has only played three games. And on all three games, he has thrown for at least 300 yards in his first three games. I think he was the first quarterback to ever do that in his first three starts. Yeah, he almost did um, it again against the Buccaneers. He yeah. came up 10 yards short. 290 but... yards, was it? Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Justin Herbert, there were some times, I will say, during the game on Sunday where he looked like a rookie quarterback. I think he threw a pick or two that was kind of costly there for the Chargers in that comeback win for the Bucks. But let me tell you, yeah, he's he's got that strong arm. I, I always liked him at Oregon. I think the one thing about Justin Herbert when it comes down to it is his just mental ability to play the quarterback position. I mean, how does he break down defenses? I mean, what is I what is his overall football IQ in the NFL? I mean, it's a totally different game than college football. So Especially at Oregon, they um, run such a simple system there. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. I saw things at Oregon from Justin Herbert that made me kind of shake my head and just kind of those mental errors. So, I mean, if he can stay away from those mental errors, I mean, he has the physical stature to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people questioned his lead leadership as well. When I was down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, I was able to interview him with Isaac Gould, actually. You know, he was on a few episodes ago with us. We were able to interview him and, you know, be able to talk to him a little bit. And his leadership, you know, has been in question. But, you know, so far from what we've seen with the Chargers, he he looks good. He's playing well. They're rallying behind him. So I don't know, man. Maybe he's more of a silent leader. He may be one of those guys that's just kind of leads by more of an example, more so than, you know, being a vocal leader like Phillip Rivers was. Yeah, interesting stuff there from the Chargers. Boy, Tom Brady looked good, though. He put together 370 yards through the air and five touchdowns. Yeah, how about um, that? Vintage Tom Brady, some would yep. say. I mean, that and, was 10 years ago, Tom Brady, what we saw on Sunday. And not even that. Their run game is working right now, you know? Yep. Ronald Jones had 111 yards on 20 carries. That offense is looking real good right now. Well, you want to talk about a costly loss, I mean, for the Chargers. I mean, holy cow. It's a big difference between going from going 2-2 two and two and 1-3. and three. Their backs are up and against man, they the had wall a, right Yeah, they had a lead in this game, too, which is the frustrating part for Coach Anthony Lynn and the Chargers, but my goodness, I mean, you just got to find a way to win that game if you're the Chargers. You know, if you have playoff hopes and you want to make a run at the division, I mean, hey, I mean, look out. You know, the Broncos are one and three, Raiders are two and two right now. So, I mean, there's a playoff spot up in the air in the AFC West outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, and the, the Chargers just couldn't find a way to win this game. Next week, they play the Saints which is going to be another tough game, probably okay. a loss. Then their schedule lightens up a little bit here. we got a nice little four or five game stretch. They play the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Okay. All of those are very, very winnable, pretty winnable. games. Pretty winnable um, games. I wouldn't be shocked if they go three and two or four and one in that stretch, you know, and then it starts to get a little bit more stiff again with the Bills, the Patriots. They have to play the Chiefs again. I don't think this Chargers team is a playoff team by any stretch. I think, you know, they'll sit anywhere from six and 10 to seven and nine again, but with a rookie quarterback showing as much promise as he is right now, yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I would be pretty happy as a Chargers. I, I think fan. he's a much better option than Tyrod Taylor at this point. I mean, he does have two healthy lungs. Uh, shout out to the Chargers team trainer over there, <laughs> puncturing Tyrod Taylor's lung. That wasn't a move. Boy, poor Tyrod. Uh, a very bright move there from that Chargers trainer. But yeah, I, I think Herbert at this point is a better option than Tyrod Taylor. I'll tell you what, poor Tyrod Taylor, man. That guy just keeps getting jobs and losing them. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's not his fault. I know, like getting in. I mean, the same thing happened when he was in Cleveland. He ended up getting hurt, and Baker came in. I feel bad for the guy. I, I mean, know. you need a lung transplant, Tyrod, because I'll, I'll be that guy. I will give you a lung. Okay. If that means it, it'll help you pursue your NFL starting dreams. Well, now you got to see. I'm sure Tyrod ends up going somewhere else after this That's year. That's true. I can't imagine he's going to hey, stick around. Hey, e, I, I have a bone to pick with you oh, uh, no. about another one of these games, uh, week four games. Okay. What was going on in Arlington, Texas, man? Oh, There's just boy. no there was no defense being played, specifically by the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys are in a world of hurt right now. Yeah, they are. Good thing they play in the NFC East. They, their playoff hopes will always still be alive in the NFC East. But I think the Cowboys are a bad football team. I mean, you give up pretty much 50 points, 508 total yards, which actually the Browns gave up more total yards. Cowboys had 566 total yards in that game. But 508 yards in an NFL game, that's just garbage. And I think a lot of that damage was on the ground. Get this, 307 rushing yards oh my gosh. by the Cleveland Browns. So... I mean, holy cow. LBJ had two carries for 73 yards. I mean, freaking Dearness Johnson had 95 yards on the ground. And then Kareem Hunt had 71 yards on the ground. I'm looking at this list right now. Even Chubb 
tacked in 43 I yards. I mean, before Chubb that got injured. Yeah. yeah, before that injury had. So, my goodness, I don't know how many running backs the Cleveland Browns have, but, man, they are effective. 40 carries, 307 yards. That's good for 7.7 yards mm. per carry. It's not even like Baker gashed him through the air. No. I mean, he only threw for 165 yeah, yards. Yeah, I mean, he was all right. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over, which was nice. Had a couple touchdowns through the air. But his quarterback rating was only a 60.6. I mean, Jarvis Landry had a 100 quarterback rating. Yeah, I mean, then again, after... he, well, he had a perfect quarterback rating right. after the... I uh... mean, he threw an absolute dot to that OBJ. Okay, weird conspiracy here. Is Jarvis Landry ambidextrous? Today I saw yeah. a video of him... Obviously, throwing the dot to OBJ in the end zone for a touchdown, he threw it left-handed. Yeah. Then I saw a video of him throwing out a first pitch at the Marlins game when he played for the Dolphins. Was he right-handed? He was chucking right-handed. So does he throw... What a physical specimen he really Jarvis is. Landry is. He really is. Unbelievable, that I guy. I might have to go get a jersey. Okay. All right. There you go. Juice Landry. We love him here on the Showcase That's Sports right. Show. But, boy, we do not love the NFC East and their garbage teams, honestly. Yeah. Which Dallas's means, defense is buns. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's bad. A lot of analysts out there in the national media are calling it the worst defense in franchise history. In, oh, in, in Dallas Cowboys history. So they got to figure something out there, man. I, I think offensively, the Cowboys are a good team. I think yeah, Dak, Prescott is a, Doc, Dak Prescott's a top 10 quarterback in the league. I, I, I will stand by that, whether that's uh, a I hot agree. take or not. Um, the dude will throw 400 and 450 passing yards every game. They have a top three offense in the league, and I think the only ones I put them behind are the Chiefs and the Ravens, but they actually outproduce both of those teams. Yeah, so. yeah dude, no no question about it. So I I don't know. I think there's just something seriously wrong over there. I don't know if Jerry Jones is issue. I mean, they haven't really been competitive for a so long time now. Now, so. now seeing what's going on right here in you know, week four, taking almost a 50-burger from the Browns, Yeah. If you're Jerry Jones, do you regret taking C.D. Lamb in the first round? Because don't get me wrong. Yeah, C.D. Lamb's a a, a great receiver. And, I mean, they love him in Dallas. But now are you starting to look like, well, did we mess up? Should we have taken a corner or a pass rusher? (laughs) Just because that defense is so bad. I will say they they do have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I think, what, Chido Bayouzier is injured. I think they have a couple other injuries on that side of the ball. But, you know... I don't necessarily blame them for taking C.D. Lamb because I think... I think um, you have to draft best player available. Yeah, and no, that, that's what I, they I'm going to say no. I don't think that was the wrong decision by Jerry Jones. I think that was actually a great pick. I actually think the Dallas Cowboys had a great draft I do in too. general. But, you know, you, you can blame injuries. You can use the injury bug as an excuse. But I, I, I don't know, man. Something's got to change there. they got to get some weapons on the defensive side of the ball. And they've been that way for a long time now. I think they've been pretty lopsided from the offensive side to the defensive side. Something's got to change in the NFC East. You know, the Cowboys suck. Right. You move over to the team who's winning the division at 1-2-1 one, and one, yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. They suck. You know, <laughs> Carson Wentz looks awful. Don't get me started about the Washington football team. Oh, that oh, is, atrocious. God-awful franchise. I mean, the Eagles got their first win this week over the San Francisco 49ers. They were pretty bad. Nick, it Mullins. Sounds like Nick it, Mullins looked pretty bad in that Nick game, Mullins sucked. C.J. Beathard came in and low-key started dotting him up. I mean, yep. he was 14 for 19, 138 yards. Yep. He came in late in that game. But, I mean, still, that San Francisco team is incredibly injury-depleted. They had they lost their best player on the team in Bosa. They lost their quarterback in Garoppolo. Yep. I mean, that's an injured team. So they're beating a B squad right now, only by five points. Yep. So, you know, I think the Eagles suck. I think the Cowboys suck. There's a lot uh, of teams that suck in the, the NFL football right team now. suck. Right. I think the Giants might be the worst of them all. That's I mean, sad. it's between the Giants and the that's... Washington football team. But, I mean, dude, the Giants have only scored three offensive touchdowns all year. Yeah. I, I did see a stat that OBJ has more touchdowns individually than the whole New York Giants football team. Well, he scored so, the same amount on Sunday as he did his <laughs> the the whole entire year. season. Yeah, yeah, so if there's going to be a division realignment anytime in the near future, you can thank the NFC East because, I mean, oh, I don't... You want to talk about... It was just like last year. There's going to be another, you know, 6-10, and 7-9 and nine team winning the division, and they're just going to get obliterated in the playoffs. It's just a waste of time. Daniel Jones flat out stinks, I think, dude. <laughs> I think he's buns. You know, people were like, what in the world are they doing over there in New York when they drafted him at number six a few years ago? Right. And I'm still on that train, man. He's thrown two touchdowns and five picks. He's that's, 22nd. That's terrible. He's, 20, he's only thrown two touchdowns? Yeah. He's 22nd in passing yards, 31st in touchdowns with two, 29th in interceptions at five, and he's 28th in quarterback rating 
at 46.9. That's literally a bottom feeder quarterback. Right. All of a sudden, is it time for the Giants to move on? You could be looking know, at man. both teams that play in that stadium, and the Jets and the Giants are looking for new quarterbacks in this draft. It yeah. might be you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Yeah. Man, I, it's I, atrocious. I don't know. I they're gonna definitely you know play out the rest of the season and kind of see how he you know turns out. I don't know. He's such a turnover machine. Uh, I, I, he needs to figure that out if he wants any future in New York. Whether that's the fumbles or the interceptions, even last year he you know kind of displayed that throughout the season. Yeah. So I Daniel Jones. Yeah. I, so far in that draft class, there's a lot of better quarterbacks that are right now playing better. So that I don't know. Then again, it is the Giants. Maybe and it was the, a surprise at the time, if you remember, that when Daniel Jones got selected yeah. with, with what? What was it? The fifth it overall sixth, pick? Sixth, sixth overall pick. pick. Everyone was Taking shocked. Taking Daniel Jones that high, man. I don't know. It was you got to have high expectations when you have that high of a pick in general, especially when it's a quarterback. I'm the number one fan in if you see your guy, go get him. It doesn't t- matter what it takes, right? especially for franchise quarterbacks. The Giants really thought he was the franchise guy, and he is really proving that he is not. Yeah. He is not the answer. Man, I can't help but say, if, <laughs> if you're Eli Manning out there, you're kind of smiling a little bit about it. Yeah. Because he kind of got forcefully pushed it's, out of there. It's hard to believe that he would be playing worse right now. Which, actually, he was. He, he and that's be. why he got yeah. benched for Daniel Jones. I love Eli Manning. The young buck. Daniel Jones. I'm an Eli Jones. Manning supporter. That's right. But... Well, maybe not. Yeah. Let me let me tell you, e, there's there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL, but there's also a lot of good teams. I, I, what are some kind of teams that showed up this uh, last weekend in Week Four that you kind of were impressed by? Yeah, you know, even though it was a closer game than it should have, I think the Bills are legit. Okay. I think they are a serious contender. Josh Allen, I was not high on him in the draft at all when he was coming out, but man, he is on another level right now. He's in the MVP conversation. He's kind of you know striking from all distances right now. So I really like the Bills. I really like their defense. I really like their coaching. I really just kind of think that they are the complete team. Yeah, you know, I think it's fair to say that Josh Allen is definitely a dark horse uh, candidate right now for the MVP. Maybe even one of the uh, front runners for the MVP. I definitely think he's he's, um, he's up there with Russ and yeah, like I put him. Um, over like Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe even over Patrick Mahomes right now, because I, I agree. I mean, Patty Mahomes has been playing out of his mind. You know, I, I think Josh Allen is just. I think actually statistically, he's been better through four weeks of the season. He has. They um, just look very, very impressive too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think so. I'm going to give you four teams here who I think right now are the teams to beat in the NFL. These aren't in order, by the way, too. So I got number one, the Buffalo Bills. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks. Number three, it's the Green Bay Packers. I, they've been playing just great football. I, I don't think any team really has come close to beating the Packers this season. And number four, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, E. So, you know, those are four teams right there, right now, that I think are Super Bowl contenders four weeks through the season. I gave you two AFC teams, two NFC teams. I agree. I think the Seahawks are definitely up there. Part of me still believes that the Packers are pretenders, and, uh, I, and I have nothing to back that up. With. I thought they were pretenders because last year. They've been I mean, playing. So that's a fair statement. They've been playing great. Yeah. You know, I mean, they look really good, but part of me, I don't know what it is. Like I said, I have nothing to back it up, but I just kind of feel like they are still pretenders. But the Seahawks, the Chiefs. That's fair. And the Ravens. I stick the Ravens in there too, man. Yeah. I think they're scary. The Ravens are number five for me. Yeah. And the, the, only, the only reason they're number five is because they lost to the Chiefs. Right. And they kind of got smacked too. It wasn't necessarily you right. Know, a, a Lamar, really didn't, Lamar didn't play very well right. in that game, of course. But hey, yeah, they're, they're on the outside looking in for sure. The Baltimore Ravens. So I guess now moving into kind of a new segment we're going to do here is we're going to talk about some NFL and college football bets. I'm excited um, that for we this. really like. You I'm know? very excited for this. E. Uh, I am too. You know, Griff, we got we've started getting into this a little bit more. You know, the the money line, the spread, the over unders. You know, the player props, things like that. Right. Let's get right into it, Griff. Uh, tell me some bets that you like here for this upcoming Week Five. Yeah, so tell you what. So I, I really like the Cardinals at the Jets. Cardinals are 6.5 favorites there. I, I'm going to pound the Cardinals all day in this one. On the one. spread. On okay. the spread, yes. Uh, they are minus 6.5 on the spread. That was one of my three, too. So okay. I, I, yep, I double yeah. down with you on that. I think the New York Jets are the worst team in football. I do, too. They uh, are atrocious. They will have the number one pick and probably draft Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to Sam Darnold exactly. I'm sure he'll get a shot somewhere else. But I do think they are the worst team in the NFL. I, I think going off of that, too, Yeah, I think Kyler Murray had kind of a rough week last week, but I really think he's going to bounce back hard against the Jets here. I think he, he's probably going to throw three or four 
touchdowns. Yeah, I think we're both on the same page about the Cardinals beating the Jets pretty handily there. So I do have them covering that minus 6.5 spread. What about you? Do you have another game for the NFL? Yeah, I, I got two here. Number one, Thursday night football, we have the Buccaneers and the Bears. The spread there is the Buccaneers are five and a half point favorites. I'm smashing the Bucks on that one. Okay. I, I love that. I think it's going to be probably a two touchdown game. I don't think the Bears are very good. Nick Foles does not look very good. I and mean, Trubisky looks even worse, so they're okay. not going to go back there. Um, and right now, well, the Bucks are kind of firing, or at least their offense is firing on all cylinders right now. Right now, you know, Tom Brady throwing five touchdowns last week. I think he's going to kind of have a repeat performance. Maybe not five touchdowns, but I think right. he's going to be very efficient, very good, and I think they're going to kind of pour it on the Bears. That's one of my picks. And then other than the Cardinals pick, my last pick here, I am taking the Los Angeles Rams over the Washington football team. That spread is at <laughs> seven and a half, and I think the football team is garbage as well. I think they're up there with they the worst team. They don't even have a name. Way. It's the football team. That's I how agree. bad they are. I think Dwayne Haskins continues to be awful. I mean, actually, he had a pretty good week last week, but yeah. I still just don't think he's very good. I think he's a good leader, not a good football player. Okay. Um, so I am smashing the Rams on that one. Okay. I think that is going to be a blowout. Okay, well, I got two more for you in the NFL. Okay. So I got the Broncos at the Patriots this weekend. Really? Patriots are minus 11.5 favorites. Okay. That is a huge spread in the NFL. It is. It's like, at- this isn't college football. That's a no. huge spread. In, in college football, that amounts to probably a 20, yeah. 25. Um, yeah, at least. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they think that Cam Newton's going to play, but there's a good shot that he doesn't play and that mm. actually Drew Locke does play. I think it's 50-50 right now that Drew Locke does play. Regardless, though, even if they don't play, if it's down to Brett Hoyer and, or excuse me, Brian Hoyer and Brett Rippon, uh, if it's down to those two, I, I still think the Broncos cover rather easily there. I don't see them losing by more than 10 points in that game. I really don't. It's going to be a close game. I agree. The only way that I think I don't hit that is if Cam Newton plays and Drew Locke does not. Then all of a sudden I'm staying away from that. That's but even though, still 11.5, that is a ginormous spread. Yeah, that's big. I mean, so, that's that's a big spread. So I got that one. Uh, so they're what's, saying what's that, that, that game weekend? is going to be not as close as the Cardinals and the Jets, the Rams and Washington. That's whack, man. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I hammer the Broncos. I'm not on that sure one. what is going on there with that spread. So yeah, eleven and a half for the Pats, uh, and then I also have Colts at the Browns. Browns are plus two point five underdogs. Browns are the underdogs. Okay. Yes. And so I actually, are you taking the Browns? Yeah, I like. To, I like, actually like the Browns to win this game. They're going to cover okay. this spread and actually beat the Colts this weekend. See, on this one, I may actually differ with you. I okay. think. I like that bet, actually, but I think I'm going to smash the Colts on that one. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites, but if you think about it, are they really going to lose? Like, if they win that game, are they really going to win by less than two points? I don't yeah. think so. Uh, I actually like the Colts in that game. You know, but just, that's intriguing. Yeah, I, I think despite that week one meltdown that the Browns had going up against Baltimore week one, mm-hmm. they've, they've played rather, you know, pretty well since week one. Right. Uh, I, I like what they've been doing the last couple weeks. I mean, weeks. they're 3-1. and one. Yeah, they're 3-1. and one. They're playing great football. Just dropped I, a 50-burger? Yeah. I think they have one of the better rushing attacks in the league. And I also think that if Baker Mayfield can continue to not make that crucial turnover, not throw as many interceptions, I think the Browns are going to have a pretty good season. Other than that, I think, yeah, I think I, I will uh, take the Browns to cover that 2.5 spread. So something else that I like in that Browns-Colts game, the line for the over-under is at 49.5. I like the over. Really? I, I really think they're going to hit the over. I think it's going to actually be kind of a shootout. I think it is going to be a close game. But I think it's going to be a shootout, maybe a 38-31 game, especially with the Browns coming right off a 50-burger. You know, I don't know, man. I, I really like the over in that game. Well, I got a couple more bets for you here, but they are college football, actually. I, so, I have some as well, E. Would you yep. like to hear them? Absolutely. Let's okay. do it. So, yeah, I'll start us off here. Uh, it's a, my first game here for the weekend. I got Vatek going up against UNC. That's North Carolina. Vatek, they're a plus 5.5 underdog in that one. Both teams ranked in the top 25. I believe Virginia Tech is ranked 18th right now, while North Carolina is ranked 8th. They're in the top 10, which yeah, is pretty are. impressive for that. Mac Brown. Mac Brown led football team. So I think this is going to be an interesting game, pretty close game. But I actually have Vatek covering this game. I think they are just as good as North Carolina. They're going to beat North Carolina on Saturday and cover that plus 5.5 spread. That's really interesting. I do like that pick as well, actually. I'll tell you what, I don't think they're the eighth best team in the nation, even without the, you know, the Pac-12 and the the Big Ten not being in the rankings. I really don't think they're the eighth best team. I like Vatek in that game as well. Moving on, I got one here. 
Florida and Texas A&M. Florida is six and a half point favorites, and the line for over under is at 57 and a half. Okay. I'll tell you what, there's two easy bets here. Florida by six and a half, absolutely. Hammer that one. Hammer <laughs> okay. it. And so all, all the betters at home, you're telling them to just... just hammer Florida. You know, I think put eight, all your money on the Gators this weekend. Yep, and I hammer the over as well. Okay. Uh, both these teams, their defense is not great. Florida's is okay, but they have not shown that yet. It's, it's still um, early, I will say. It I is think still maybe early. Maybe some defenses are trying yep. to figure it out here. But both those offenses are really lethal, especially Florida. I mean, you know, they, they legitimately right now have two Heisman candidates in Kyle Trask and in Kyle Pitts. It's incredible. Um, and he's a tight end, Kyle Pitts. I'll tell you what, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end I've seen in college football wow. in some time. That's some high praise. He, he is unbelievable, man. The way that that guy stretches the field, he's incredible. Wow. And I think he's really going to tear A&M apart. I mean, he's, so, already, he's got six touchdowns right. in two games. I, I agree with you on this one because this was actually one of my games as well. I do have Florida covering that spread pretty easily. But, I mean, going back to A&M, I mean, they got Kellen Mond. It seems like he's been playing quarterback there in College Station for about 20 years now. Since I don't think he's ever going to leave. I don't frankly. think so either. I think he's like a super, super, super senior or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, Do you give him any chance in this game at all outside I do. of the spread? Sure. Can yeah. they, I mean, can they, is there a chance they cover that spread? Yes, there is a chance, but I, I mean, think they got beat down by Alabama. They did over the weekend, and I think the same thing is going to happen with Florida. I think Florida's okay. legit. I think they're the second best team in the SEC, maybe even the best. They even might be better than Bama. I think their offense is better. I, I mean, they have the best offense in the SEC. I don't know. Florida's really good, but I mean, of course, there's always a chance. A and M is still a slightly above average football team. I don't, you know, I don't think they're complete trash. But right, right. Uh, you know, you never know. But I'm I'm hammering Florida and I'm hammering the over. Well, I guess my next matchup here is Notre Dame and Florida State. Oh, talk about an underwhelming program right, right now, the yeah. Seminoles. Notre Dame, twenty-one point favorites. Okay. Hammer Notre Dame. Okay. I think Florida State is buns, man. They are really bad, and I think they are going to get absolutely throttled. And I'm, I'm talking like a 45-point <laughs> game. That program is has fallen so hard from even like five years ago when Jimbo Fisher was coaching oh. that program. I mean, they they went to the playoff a couple years in a row. I mean, they were national champions, yeah. and I think they reeled off, what, 30 wins in a row. It was one of the longest yeah. winning streaks in college football history. And I do think that they're going to start to turn it around because I do like their coach, Mike Norvell, who just got hired from Memphis. But I don't know. I think this game's going to be get ugly real fast. Yeah. Like, I'm talking it's going to be like 42 to 10 right. type ugly, maybe even worse. So I'm hammering Notre Dame on that one. All right. Yeah, and, and, they, and Florida State, real quick, too. I mean, they got just blasted by uh, Miami, Yeah, I think. Uh, what was that last weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. And I think Notre Dame might be better than Miami. So Yeah, and which leads me to my next game, kind of a marquee matchup, primetime game on ABC here this weekend. Uh, Miami at Clemson, the number one team in the nation, the Clemson Tigers going up against the number seven team, the Miami Hurricanes. Kind of a resurgence for the Hurricanes this year with transfer quarterback Derek King. That spread is at minus 15 right now in favor of Clemson. You know, I think a lot of people probably aren't giving Miami a shot in this game, but I'm not one of those people. I, I, I give a lot of credit to Miami and what they've been able to accomplish so far a couple games into the season. I think Miami actually covers the spread. I don't think they can win against Clemson, but I, I have them losing by like a touchdown. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I think they have the talent to compete. Interesting. That's a very intriguing bet. I'm not sure how I feel about that that's, one. That's kind of a bet that's a little maybe out of left field a little bit more, but hey, if you're feeling a little risky this weekend... Hey, hammer Miami against Clemson. Another risky game here I got is Auburn and Arkansas. Okay. okay. Auburn is 14-point favorites, and the over is at 46.5. I think Arkansas loses by more than 14. Okay. So I think I hammer Auburn to cover, and I think I hammer the over. Okay. I think it's going to get – I think it's going to be a little bit more high-scoring than people think. And that's based off – of uh, Arkansas winning their first conference game in three mm-hmm. years. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I think so, they're both going to score some points, but okay. I really do think Auburn's gonna, is going to beat okay. them up a little bit. Well, I will say, I think the one concern I do have with that game is Auburn and, and their ability to score the football. I, I think they have the ability to be a high-octane offense, but it, it just all falls on the shoulders of Bo Nix. Well, I can tell you what. If they're going to have a good game against anybody in the SEC, it's either going to be Vanderbilt or Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. So, the, the um, two doormats absolutely. of the SEC, yeah, unfortunately. They, they really are the bottom feeders. So there you have it. There's our bets for the week.
All right, E, how about some games to look forward to the rest of the week? I think this week you got to really look out for that Padres and Dodgers series and also the Yankees and the Rays series. I think those honestly are kind of the equivalent to the NLCS in both right now. So yeah, that's a series to look out for. Okay, for me, I think I'm going to go with the Vikings-Seahawks game. That is a huge game for the Vikings. Of course, Seahawks are undefeated right now at 4-0. But, hey, if, if the Vikings go 1-4, and four, it's just, I don't know. I don't think they can make the playoffs after going 1-4, and four, especially in that tough division. They still got to play the Packers again. Uh, Bears are, I don't know, the verdict is still kind of out on the Bears. Not really sure if they're good or not yet, but, I mean, they're not a laydown team. So we'll see what happens there with the Vikings-Seahawks and, of course, the conclusion of the NBA Finals. Don't miss out on that action. Any closing thoughts from you, E? Yeah, absolutely. Follow us on Instagram at Showcase Sports Media. Check out our website. We're producing a lot of great articles right now, a lot of good stuff from our guys here at Showcase. That URL is ShowcaseSportsMedia.com. Anyway, thanks for listening. That's going to be a wrap. Cheers from Showcase Sports Media. We'll see you next week.